What's up, guys? <clears throat> Sultan of Strangles here, a.k.a. the Kimura King, a.k.a. the Ayatollah of Ankle Locks. And, you know, one of my best friends in the whole entire world is Gary the Lion Killer Tonin. Um, now, <laughs> I've asked him, I think, once or twice to be on the podcast, but I think we we're both really busy at the time, so it didn't happen, but... Sometimes I forget that he's famous and a lot of people would want to hear stuff from him. And then today I'm like, bro, you want to come on the podcast? And we did it, man. It was a great episode. And I've watched some of his other stuff. Most people are usually asking boring, cookie-cutter questions. And um, this episode was a little wild. So do not listen to this in front of your kids. It gets a little... <laughs> R-rated sometimes. It gets a little X-rated at some time. So definitely not for the faint of heart. If you are of the faint of heart, go listen to another one of my episodes, not this one. But it was really awesome, a lot of fun. I think you guys are really going to like it. Definitely make sure before you check it out, go follow me on Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. My gym at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu and my podcast at Rambling with Rack. Before you do that, go follow The Line Killer. It's at Gary Tonin. Hope you guys liked the episode, and I will see you soon. <coughs> this is just uh, audio, huh? Yeah. It's a small-time small podcast, buddy. I know you're used to the big shit. No, it's all good. I, I prefer it this way. I hate looking at a screen of myself the entire time I do. So. Do you not love yourself? or? <sighs> I just have like ADHD among other probably some weird social disorder. I don't I don't want to make eye contact with me or anybody else ever. I hate it. Really? Yeah, I don't like looking I, at people. <clears throat> Is that because when your dad used to beat the shit out of you, he told you not to look at him? It might have something to do with that. <laughs> don't fucking look at me. Yeah. Don't look at me. Or like maybe when my <laughs> Ah, maybe I won't say that. Never <laughs> Actually, well, because I don't mind ragging on my dad, but I, may, I was about to bring other family members into it. But I mean, I guess you wouldn't. I guess they wouldn't know which ones. It could have yeah. been like it could have like been like me never being able to look my uncle in the eye after he took me into the closet to look for scrap. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> this is a no holds barred podcast. Yeah. So he said, said he, he said he wanted to play shoots and ladders. And I didn't I didn't realize it was an innuendo. It wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was a I thought it was a board game. You know. <laughs> mm. There was definitely someone shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm sorry I was late to the podcast. Uh, I was watching. Um, it was called uh, Metal Rear Solid on Brazzers. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I just needed to, I just needed to shoot before I could get on. I'm sorry, man. I fucking it's been a long day. I needed to fucking relax a little bit. Metal I swear to God, it's a real video. You'll know for sure that's what I was doing when you look at the video. It's a real Wait, video. So like Snake from Metal Gear Solid. He's a yeah. He's in the video, dude, with a fucking eye patch and like fucking chicks out there. Dude, that would traumatize. Or, my the mo the fucking thing starts like with. Uh, with him putting an arm bar on the chick. You're kidding me. Swear to God. Oh, my God. It's like two or three minutes into the video. I wouldn't be able to watch that because he's my fucking 
childhood hero. I can't watch him laying pipes. You can imagine you could imagine yourself as him getting the blowjob POV, you know? Interesting. Just it's, a nice to... <clears throat> it's a nice way to look at it. Do you do you like uh do you prefer uh like like porn with a story or do you not care about the story at all? A story is a must. I think a story is a must also. I really if, I if it just skips right to the to the business, I turn it off. I'm like, what the fuck the, am I? The story makes it like ten times easier to finish. <laughs> Especially if it's like the perfect story. Like it doesn't matter how, how completely unbelievable it is. You know, like I was watching one the other day, like one chick is blindfolded, like while another chick's in the room. Mm-hmm. And like there's no way she wouldn't feel the bed bouncing with the other chick. <laughs> and it's like it's it's totally completely not believable at all. But it's like the storyline of these two sisters trying to bang the same dude. It, <laughs> it gets me. I was just like, yes, yeah, it's great. That's it's quality quality entertainment. I saw. This is I what saw. you wanted this podcast to be about, by the way, right? Um, you know, you know what a lot of people, a lot of these, uh, <laughs> it actually is. I'm not gonna lie, because a lot of these jujitsu podcasts, it's like people talking about how they train. Uh, seven times a day and I'm like and then and then like when I bring people and we just talk about regular shit they're like fuck that was actually fun to listen to you know yeah, of course who the fuck wants to t- talk about oh yeah I drilled arm bars today bro like yeah. but um, I don't really ever since I <coughs> hit 30 uh-huh. I don't really watch much anymore uh, but uh, not well, because important, of important question I- though do you have a VR headset I you told me to use yours at your house, but I never did. I should have. You, you never did. All right. Well, I'm telling Changes you, it. if you got bored, if you got bored, it's an it's a next level experience. I don't <laughs> use it every single time. Like I wasn't just using it now, but uh, but it's it's a nice treat every once in a while. If you want to treat your steak, like like you're not gonna go out to a to a five star steak dinner every day. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, but once every in once in a while, you're like you got a little extra time on your hands, and you're like I want a quality experience. The girls making direct eye contact with you. They're breathing in your ears and the headset. It's amazing. It's a it's a quality experience. <laughs> breathing in your ears and the headset. That I would have not guessed. Uh, you you would love it. I knowing you, I know I know you. Would love it. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing to simulate licking toes, but uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. everything else. Everything we could talk about your dark stuff. I don't know how I feel about <laughs> my dark stuff being on here. <laughs> But what I was going to say, the fans number, I asked some fans, you know, um, I'm having Gary Toner on the podcast, you know, what are some questions you guys have? And the number one asked question was a very important one. Are Uh you ready to answer it? Yes. When you get your ass eaten, are you? (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I know as a for a fact. Because because you're asking me, I know no one asked this question. <laughs> this is specifically Mike asking the question. <laughs> but Our carry on. It depends on this, bro. You better okay, okay. Right. When you get your ass eaten, uh-huh. is it stack position or is it all fours? I just want to say before I answer this question that, and this is just my personal vote, and I, I want you to do a poll for your for who are your listeners. Mm-hmm. To find out who thinks that should be the opening question on your podcast, every podcast, no matter who you're interviewing, no matter how serious the interviewee is. But that needs to be the opening question. Every that would single be amazing. Um, man or woman, that needs to be answered. 
Uh, man, man, I like to get, I like to get creative. I do, I do it all, dude. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be down there, let's let's play, let's play around. Let's do as many different positions as we can. You're you're dodging the question. Man. I have a. Uh, you're have dodging a, the question. I need to know which one you prefer. Oh, which one I prefer? Yeah. Um, let's think. You said all fours or stack? Yes. All fours or stack? Hmm. It really it depends on where she is in in relevance to my body. Because like, okay, so I could be in all fours, right? And she could be like underneath me. Or, or she could be behind me, right? Uh And then, like, if you're in, if you're in stack, it's pretty, it's pretty static. Like, she's pretty much just has to be in front of you, right? Um, I would say all fours if she was directly underneath me. That sounds amazing. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. That's the only right answer, by the way. Yeah, but there also has to be, there also has to be a rusty trombone component. Of course. I just think that if you're not also doing the rusty trombone, mm-hmm. that it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like you're just getting the tickle without the squeeze. You know without what I mean? Squeeze. Like I want the tick, I want the slap and tickle. I need both. Exactly. Yeah. A real, a re, if you're, if you consider yourself a real man, you must, you must be in all fours position and your back must be fully arched. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to roar. You have to roar like a lion, right? You gotta roar like a. Lion. Let's not get too many secrets about me on here. <laughs> I mean, you're the one that gave that away. I never said anything about you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not about. It's not about. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know what I was gonna say? A lot of uh, a lot of people ask like, hey. Uh, you know, you got to have so-and-so, so-and-so on here. And uh, sometimes because I train with you, I forget that you're famous sometimes. I mean, um, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, actually, I think I have asked you to be on a couple of times and you blew me off. That's what the, that's why you haven't been on yet, right? Yeah, because you wouldn't let me finish first. What do you mean? No, I'm like, I'm like, Mike, like I got a fucking shower. I got a, I got a fucking wank i gotta do my thing you're like no no you gotta go on now i'm like man you gotta give me my time to relax to prep and relax you know i need to be properly properly fluffed before i come on the show so what are what are some things you've been asked way too many times that i should make sure absolutely not to ask you i mean i feel like just like my origin story is like the main thing that i'm asked about right so like almost every podcast is going to be like well how did you get into jujitsu you know like (laughs) And I mean, I try to creatively, I I try to creatively answer it as many times as I can. I try not to give the same answer every time, but I mean, there's only so much you can do with it. Pretty soon, I'm just going to have to start lying. Like the one time I, uh, one time I was on a pot, I was on Bernardo Faria's podcast actually. And, uh, and Bernardo's like a super serious, straightforward guy. I don't know if anybody knows, you know, that's listening, but Bernardo is like one of the jujitsu guys is very straight laced, like super professional. So I'm on his podcast and he asks me about my origin story. And I told him, I told him about how when, when I was a kid, my parents were like yelling and fighting and like, you know, they're about to get divorced. So my mom goes out to the bar and she meets Hinata Laranja and uh, Boyce Gracie in the bathroom and they tag teamed her and uh, we're really not sure who's the dad. And that's how <laughs> I too. I think that's what I said. I'm pretty sure. What was his reaction? Uh, he just, 
he he didn't really know what to do. Like he doesn't doesn't really have a programmed response for somebody saying something like that. He just just moved on to the next question. There was no reaction. Like he can't, how is he going to, how are you going to bounce that off of that? You know, like it's amazing. Just want to remind you though, your parents divorce. It was your fault. Totally my fault. Yeah, I, I know. You tell me that all the time. I do forget sometimes. Just yeah, like everything else. Listening to this, you may think it was money. You may think it was, uh, you know, <clears throat> they just weren't meant for each other. They may have grown uh, away from each other. Just know that it is your fault that your parents got divorced. If you're listening to this, for for real though, it's it's this is something that we should we should briefly talk about because I know it's something that both me and you felt similarly about. So, yeah. uh, you know, for me, when my parents were getting divorced. You know, my mom felt the need to sit down with me and my sister <laughs> and say and literally say, like, hey, I just want to let you guys know, like, this isn't your fault. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, why would I think it's my fault? Why would like, I ever think it's my fault? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, now you're kind of making me think that it is my fault. Like, why would you say that? Like, what? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I guess that's like the I guess that's like the thing that like psychologists and shit say that you're supposed to say to your kids. But it's like, I don't I don't know. I never in a million years in my head thought that any of that was my fault. (laughs) Like, I was just like, you guys scream at each other like dad drinks too much and you fucking yell. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't see how this is connected to me in any way. form. <clears throat> it's like the cookie cutter response that when someone close to you dies, they're like, "Oh, he's in a better place." I'm like, "No, he's not. He's in hell. <laughs> he's literally in hell right now." <laughs> yeah. Or, or no, he's just in total oblivion and darkness. It's, yeah, he's yeah. not in a better place for sure. For sure. <laughs> so let's hear the 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 real story about the divorce. What what did your dad say to you, dude? He, I don't think he really so, said much no, about no. it ever. He said if you were better at baseball, this would never happen. <laughs> You're <laughs> not wrong. Not wrong. You can't just hit that home run, could you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell him about your dad's backstory. Nobody knows. Uh, you The one that you gave him? AKA his actual backstory. He was a former <laughs> third string MLB guy, like the triple A. And uh, when he had Gary, he had to spend too much time taking care of him. So he dropped out. And uh, and then the divorce happened. So and it, it kind of is tried, your fault, he, man. He tried to raise me to take his place in baseball, but I just never took it seriously. <laughs> I, just, I was just having fun. He's like, you got to swing your bat with the donut on it. You got to do it a hundred times outside, even when it's freezing cold every day. Oh, man. And I was just like, but I want to, but I want to play PlayStation. He, PlayStation's and then, for and then, he, and then he hit me in the top of the head with the beer can again. <laughs> I noticed um, <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, you're a grappler, but you're very good at dodging punches. And, uh, you know, I already know why, but maybe the listeners uh, would be a little more interested in knowing. <laughs> is it, is it uh, because I got full beer cans lobbed at me? Yeah. So I always had to I always had to use that head movement to get away? Yes, yes. His dad used to beat the fuck out of him. And, uh, 
he had to dodge the beer cans, so it helped him in his MMA career. Oh, man. You know, well, getting me ready. Yeah, man. Always getting you ready. So, um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Um, uh, one question that you probably get asked a lot, but I feel like it, um, it, it would help a lot of the, um, people here. I noticed, um, and if, and if you've been asked this too many times and don't want to answer, it's totally cool. But I tell all my students this and it really helped them. There's a lot of people in jujitsu that they brag that they never get tapped in training. And I remember like one of the first days when I came to Henzo's and I remember I submit you and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I just tapped him. And I thought I was like really good. But then I found out that you just let people put you in fully locked submissions and you get out of it. And that's that's the key to getting better. So I was wondering if you could like elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, Well, I just think that uh, there's a couple different facets of that. Like, I just think that I think that by getting your defenses as strong as possible, it just makes it, it makes you able to open up so much more offensively. Cause like every time you move, uh, for an offensive maneuver, whether it be MMA or jujitsu or whatever, you're always opening yourself up to get attacked. Right. Yeah. And like well, most attacks are inherently, uh, risky, right? There's almost, almost everything that you do with the exception of like, trying to strangle somebody when you're on their back, right? Like maybe that's the safest way to try to submit somebody, but everything else, it's like, Hey man, you go for a guillotine. You might sacrifice bottom position. You go for an arm bar. You might sacrifice bottom position. You might, you know, all of these things, like you have to like, in order to go for attack, like there's an attack, like there's some, there's some risk there. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're afraid to get stuck in a bad position or you're afraid to end up in a submission situation yourself, like you're never going to, you're never going to use your offense. You know what I mean? You could practice yeah. your offense all day, but then you get into a match and you're going to be super timid. You're like, oh man, I can't give up a point. I can't, I, I can't give up my arm. I can't give up my leg, you know? So then you end up just kind of freezing up and nothing fucking happens. And it's just like a match where you're trying to play for advantages. And like, <laughs> this is another thing that I try to tell my, you know, tell, tell different people, my students or like other people that want to learn from me. Is that like, yeah, you could win by advantage and I'm not going to tell you that that's wrong and I'm not going to tell you that like, you know, there's some people that make fucking careers on that shit. But a lot of you guys, especially the guys that you're not going, you're not training to try to win ADCC. Maybe you're going to do a couple of local grappling shows or whatever. You know, I know all of you guys go home and you tell kids or your family members or whatever. Like, oh yeah, I trained jujitsu. And like, I went to compete last Saturday. And like, when you show them the footage of you competing, like, do you want it to look like you just holding somebody down in close guard for fucking six minutes? Like, that's fucking embarrassing. Like, who would you show that to? You're not going to show that to anybody. You know what I mean? So like, if that's the way that, if that's the way that you're going to compete, that's fine. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I think you're basically like you, you're, you're selling yourself short and you're making it so that like anybody that you would ever try to tell this to that doesn't do jujitsu is just going to look at what you've done and be like, Oh, that's, pretty unimpressive nah. like i don't know that's the way that i look at it so like man take some risks you know uh especially if you're not going out there and trying to fucking do adcc or whatever the case may be i mean at the end of the day like what's really on the line you know what i mean you're, you're out there just trying to get better you're trying to improve your ability to compete and all these sorts of things and and fire under pressure and stuff so yeah take some risks give it a shot see how you see what you can do you know so you're pretty much saying <clears throat> if you're one of those guys that just plays for advantages that you're a fucking loser. 
<laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying I wouldn't be very proud to show people what I'm doing. You know, when I, when I show them the tape, that's all I'm saying, you know, and, and I can't even fault some people for, for it though, you know, fully because I mean, partially that's how they're taught, you know, and, and partially like they just don't have the defensive skills to open up. They're afraid, you know, everything that they do, they're afraid when they're grappling and uh, they may not that view it that way. But that's the truth. You know what I mean? They're afraid to get put in a bad spot, dude. This is a weird thing to brag about, but I would say like in terms of like professional level grapplers uh, that as far as successful ones, cause I'm, I'm sure there's tons of unsuccessful ones that get put in bad situations. I probably have had my back close to being taken or taken in competition more than like any other professional athlete that actually does well. Oh man. Because, and I just like get out and I fucking, I beat the guy. Like it just is what it is. Like fucking, okay. Pass my guard, take my back. No problem. We're going to continue this match. And eventually I'm going to find a way to break your leg or eventually I'm going to find a way to take your back and strangle. It's not over just because you got to a good position. And if your defense is good enough, it won't be. But if it's not, and you're not practicing that shit, why would it be good? Why would it be, you know, like any of the other skills that you're practicing on a day-to-day basis? You know? Interesting. I remember, um, because <clears throat> I've been going to um, Ocean County ever since you guys abandoned us and moved away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember Tom told us one of your matches back in the day, you won the match like 59 to 56. <laughs> <laughs> Is I that mean, true? I'm sure that's an extreme exaggeration, but like <laughs> it's probably not far off from like the point, which is like, yeah, dude, like I just go back and forth with guys. Like I'm, I was in it to, to, to have a match, dude. I wasn't in it. Like I didn't understand the concept of I got to side control and I'm just going to try to hang on to the guy. Number one, I found that incredibly difficult. Like, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to hold this person for the next like three to four minutes. And I found it incredibly boring. I'm just like, well, that seems kind of dumb. Like that doesn't seem like what I'm here for. Like I'm going to keep going until I find a way to submit the guy. So in my early career, when I didn't have great submission skills, what I think was a good strategy for me to still be a finisher, even though I didn't really have like incredible finishing skills from every position. And I think this is good for like guys that are, uh, that are beginning in the game. And and it's a good, good thing to start with is I would just focus on always trying to get to the back and then submitting from there because it's the safest route to victory. You know what I mean? So if you're always trying to progress to the back, it's kind of hard to go wrong. I'm getting called right now. Just give me one sec. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. Even though he's, he's set the appointment for 630, uh, I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting harassed at the moment. Can you, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm just going to send them a message real quick. Yeah. I think he didn't realize that uh, I'm in a different time zone, but yeah. whatever, he'll have to deal. <laughs> it's what it is. Um, what was I gonna say? So, so we, you, you, you told us that you know we need to work on finishing. So I wanted to ask you a two-part question. Yeah. Um, tips for finishing both in jujitsu and sex. <laughs> <laughs> so something that something that applies to both. Uh applies to both or you could just give separate tips for both 
So this is a good one that I always got from John. Like, um, you know, just like now, this isn't necessarily for finishing mm-hmm. mechanics, but for finishing for not for finishing submissions, but for finishing sumigashis, like maximum penetration is necessary. Like you can never get too deep, just like in sex, your sumigation, <laughs> you always want to be as deep as you possibly can, you know? So that's also, that's super important. You know? penetration. Yeah. Fake faking is also super important, you know, like both, both in sex as well as in, in grappling, you know, you can't, and I don't, I don't just mean faking orgasms. I mean, that's important too. Like you got to make, like, just put a smile on my face. I mean, it's the least you can do, you know, um, make me feel like a, like a, like a champion in the bedroom for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, but also like, you know, you're not going to just be like, you're not just going to walk up and be like, Hey, I want to fuck. Like, you got to be like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, I saw that you're, I see that you're reading a, a book on tennis. I love tennis. Like, it's so cool. You know, like, we should talk sometime and you know, then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find a roundabout way to get to the step the same way that you got to do for the finish. Like you don't just jump right in on an arm bar. Like it's, it's very rare that something like that works. You know what I mean? You got to kind of, you got to give them a little something, you know what I mean? Like that's one of, that's my main whole thing in jiu-jitsu. It's like give a little to get a little, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I get them to let their guard down by, by acting vulnerable and give, and giving up something, you know, maybe I give you my arm, maybe I give you my neck. I give you my neck. All of a sudden, I roll through. I slam your head on the floor. Um, I've done that a ton of times during wrestling matches, or sorry, and during jiu-jitsu matches when guys are trying to go crazy for guillotines. So yeah, you got to let your guard down, appear vulnerable a little bit. Then they let their guard down. It's the only way you make other people feel vulnerable is if you're vulnerable yourself. You know. So this also works uh, in sex life and in dating. You know. What yeah, I mean? So you say, oh, I'm not, I'm not really that confident. I have confidence issues, and oh, well, not, not necessarily that you have to have confidence issues. Being vulnerable doesn't necessarily equate to, to just being like a cuck or like being like a weak pussy. That's not what being vulnerable is. It might be like talking about something that uh, is maybe a little bit more emotionally vulnerable to you or something like that. It doesn't mean you have to fucking ball your eyes out, but I could like have a, I could have a conversation where I talk about how, you know, I could talk about some serious aspect of my life that like troubles me or something like that. You know, that might be like what I mean by being vulnerable. Not like, not like, Oh, I'm like, I like can't handle my emotions and like I'm a wreck, you know, that's the, uh, there's a difference between being vulnerable and being like a fucking mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Interesting. You did that real well though. Those applied perfect to both jujitsu and to sex. You still there? Thank you. I'm, I'm not the, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm not, I wouldn't say I am the champ, but I'm going to be the champ and that's going to be the reason. You know? <laughs> Speaking okay. speaking of champ and um and you know always going for the finish, would you say that your ADHD positively influenced your jujitsu because of that? Because someone with a high attention span, they're like, oh yeah, I'll just hold this guy for uh you know x amount of time and I'll win. But you're like, oh, this is boring. I need to move. I need to yeah. be attacking. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a myth that like people with ADHD like can't get anything done. It's like we kind of we kind of can't in certain circumstances. You know what I mean? Depending upon what it is, we're actually ADHD people tend to be very task oriented. So it's like, all right, I've done this thing, then I'm going to do this thing, then I'm going to do this thing. Like when you're in the heat of the moment and you have to make impulsive decisions, ADHD is great. You know what I mean? 
Now, sometimes impulsivity is good and sometimes it's bad. In my opinion, in fights, it's almost always a good thing, you know, uh, because you're, the impulses that you're going to have in fights are the types of things that you've trained mm-hmm. for the most part. You don't, you're not, I'm not going to have an impulse during a fight that's like some random shit that I never tried before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my instincts are going to take me to exactly the kinds of things that I was practicing. So if I just listen to my body and when somebody moves, I react, this is a good thing in fighting. You know, this might not always be the, the best thing in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. You know, sometimes I have to hold myself back. You know, somebody, somebody says something to me and I might take it the wrong way and go right away into attacking. I don't know if Mike, you, I know you've never experienced that with me, but you know, other people, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, but so, but as far as jujitsu is concerned, I think it helps a lot, man. Yeah. It helps me become as uh, an exciting dynamic fighter because I, it's always action, reaction, action, reaction, and, and pattern recognition playing off of the, off of the actions that my training, I, I recognize are, are happening from the person that's attacking me. You know what I mean? So I think a lot, I think that, you know, I used to take ADHD medicine and uh when i was a kid and i think it was very helpful for school i think it was great for me for the period of time that i took it which is probably from like second grade to like 11th grade uh-huh. but but i never really liked it in jujitsu matches i was never really a big fan of taking it um uh while i was training drilling any of these sorts of things it just made me so much less creative all the impulsivity was kind of taken out of it the adhd medicine is great for like like focused and like just doing like the same thing over and over again. Like if you tell me, if you tell me like, Gary, I need you to rep this out like a hundred times, like, you know, and I'm on ADHD medicine, no problem. You know, I'm going to rep that out a hundred times mm-hmm. and it's going to be exactly the same every single time. And I'm precisely going to listen to every detail that you told me, right. Which can be good, but like, especially like in the later stages of the game, uh, I just think it was so much more important to my create my creative thinking to not do things that way. And to be, and to play around with things, it's like, oh, he shows me this. And it's like, well, where else can I apply it? And like, my brain doesn't work that way when I'm on ADHD medicine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. Now, as far as creativity and stuff, I I noticed I've trained that a few places and I noticed what's really unique about our squad. And I feel like I kind of taught you guys this is uh, inventing moves. Like I'll literally be in class and we'll just start fucking around and we're like hey let's try this and then oh shit this works and then the next thing i see someone pulling it up pulling it pulling it off in some high level match yeah so um how would the average person be able to add that into their repertoire just how could you teach someone to be more creative Yeah. Well, it's, it is, it is difficult. You know, when, when people talk about creativity, it seems like a, uh, intangible, right. It seems like something that like you can't, you can't seem to put your finger on and you can't seem to coach, but I definitely think there are, there are ways to spark creativity, you know, and, and one of the ways that I think is, is useful to spark creativity is to have open-ended, uh, drills. Mm -hmm. So instead of just teaching a move, and just saying, okay, you have to do this precise move, then that leads to this precise move, which leads to this precise finish. You give it a little bit of a more of an open-ended feel. You know, mm-hmm. for example, uh, I was showing some stuff uh, earlier today. It had to do with going for a guillotine, off balancing, and then um, 
you know, basically like recovering from that failed guillotine and then getting into good position. I gave them a few different good options and I just said, play around with it. See what feels good for you. Do you want to try to refinish the guillotine? Do you want to try to pop up and take the person's back? So this is a, it's a little bit more free thinking and it's a little bit more like what actually happens into in a match. Like when like things in a match don't happen like step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, unless mm-hmm. you're going in which case I guess that's how that happened because <laughs> somehow, somehow he's literally able to execute techniques like that. But for the most part, like for the rest of us, it doesn't really work that way. You know what I mean? There's a lot of intangible, there's a lot of things going on uh, that you don't have full control over in a match. So mm-hmm. that creativity, that creative thought is so much more important. Actually, I think, um, you know, John teaches a, some close ended stuff when he's, uh, when he's, when he's teaching us, but, uh, in MMA, he actually is very open-ended in like the way that, that he teaches. Like he'll often be like, okay, you're going to fake here to land the the shot on the lower body. So you're going to fake upper body, land the shot on the lower body, and then follow up with, you know, follow up with whatever combination, you know, feels comfortable to you mm. as opposed to like, okay, you land the shot on the body. Then you come up with the hook. Then you lay it with the rear hand. It's like, it's like, okay, like, that's good sometimes, especially at the beginning to give like beginners a good feel for like what's available. But then as you start to get more experience, you, you want to start trying to connect the dots on your own and kind of write the story yourself. Um, because that's what you're going to have to do when you're on your own anyway. Nobody's going to be there telling you exactly move for move where to go, you know, one move after another. So I think that's one way you can develop creativity. And another way is, is to show moves um with an explanation like hey here's here's the dynamics of a move like i was showing like yoko sumigeshi today and i was like all right here's a bunch of different grips that you can hit this move off of here's a bunch of different positions that you can start this move and it's like what i want you guys to do is to start thinking about like where where are there going to be opportunities to use a move similar to this as again as opposed to okay i just want you to drill this 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 and this you know, when you start thinking like that, you're it's much more open ended thinking. It's much more you're doing more of the work as the person drilling than the coach is doing. So, in other words, you know, everyone says creativity is just a God given thing. But, you know, I agree with this as well, that creativity is literally like any other muscle in your body. The more you train it, the more creative you get you know, and the more things you will invent. Sure. Now, one thing I will say about that, though, is there's a you definitely have to be careful because it's not like there's not people all over the world making shit up. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between creativity with structure and like just straight up creativity for the sake of creativity. And listen, when you're smearing your own shit on a canvas and framing it and selling it at an art exhibit, I guess that works. You know what I mean? I guess yeah. there's no rules and you can do whatever the fuck you want. But when it comes to a mar- when it comes to martial arts, there are some rules. There are some things that you have to keep in mind when you do these things. So no, you can't just make up whatever move looks cool and be like, "Oh, this is great." It's mm. like, "No, it's got to be rooted in reality." Like this move has to be rooted in like, "Okay, with a resisting opponent, I can actually pull this off." And it needs to be tested. It's like, you don't just don't just figure out the move and then show it on fucking YouTube tomorrow. Yeah. Fuck no. Are you kidding me? I would be embarrassed. I'm not going to show I'm not going to practice a move for 2 seconds and then show it in a technique video the next day. Fuck no. Absolutely not. I'm going to test it from a bunch of different positions and I'm going to see what kind of reactions I get and I'm going to explore what it's going to look like. And if it doesn't have a high enough percentage rate of success, I'm either going to try to find a way to fix it or I'm going to say, "Well, that fucking sucks." And I don't see enough of that out there. I'm I'm getting pretty intense in my conversation here cuz I see way too much 
of people just posting stupid, stupid videos of them just doing random chains of jujitsu moves that just look cool that have no combat effectiveness whatsoever. They're doing it for the views. They're not doing it for. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But they should be embarrassed. They yeah, should be fucking embarrassed. It demeans your actual skill level in jujitsu. And it hurts the sport as a whole because some some young kid is going to come and they're going to, okay, I'm going to try this. Well, me personally, I hope that happens because I want everybody else to suck and for only me and the people that I love to be good. Ooh. Yeah. Basically, I want everybody else to suck. So I hope you guys are all watching these people making up these stupid bullshit chains of jujitsu moves. I think that's great. I think you should watch it more (laughs) unless you're on my team. And you're one of my teammates and one of my training partners, in which case, never watch any of that ever. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, one thing in, in your talking that uh, I remember we talked about it one time and it really resonated with me. Um, I, was, I was talking to you about self-discipline and, um, you know, I don't know what word to use, not self-discipline, but pretty much knowing um when to hold back in certain things so like um i was j- just trying to figure out the difference between a successful person and like a fat loser and, uh, <laughs> why is that funny why is that funny i love it i just love the comparison because it was very it was very drastic it, was uh, very, <laughs> it wasn't just a lo- it wasn't just a loser the fat loser yeah the fat loser uh-huh. um so I remember you told me the story uh, of marshmallows, like a bunch of children. Oh, yeah. This is, a re- this is a really, really important study. Um, as important as the study is, I can't remember exactly what it's called. I remember perfectly. I remember the whole story because it really oh, I know the I know the story for sure, but I just don't remember exactly what the study's called. There's, there's act- an actual name for it. Um, but basically, it's a delayed gratification study, right? So um, – if you find yourself to be the type of person that that wants a thing and then has to have it immediately, even though you know if you wait, it's going to get better, you're probably not going to ha- be as successful in life. It's basically the, the summary of the study. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they gave all these kids marshmallows and they said, hey, um, they said, hey, we're going to be back in 10, 15 minutes. And if you wait and you don't eat the marshmallow, we'll give you a second marshmallow. But if you, you can eat it right away if you want, you know, no problem. And you're going to be, you're going to be happy, but you'll have two of them if you can wait 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they went back years later and I don't know exactly what markers for success that they used, but when they went back years later, the kids that were able to wait the 15 minutes to get the second marshmallow, um, did, were way better off, like in, in almost every way, uh, in life. And I, I can't, you know, I can't quote the study. You can look it up. If you look up like marshmallow study or something like that, delayed gratification, yeah. I'm sure it'll pop up, but that's the gist of it, man. Um, I, I think it's a super important thing to learn the fucking early, early on. I mean, think about it. It's like with anything, like everybody's into Bitcoin right now, right? Everybody's yeah. like super into that shit. And what a 90% of the people that are into that probably doing, they like fucking invest. And then they like, they wait two seconds. There's like a slight rise in the price and then they fucking sell. And then they're waiting for another day. And it's like, it's like, nah, dude, it's not like that. It's a long game. You know what I mean? Like if you're really serious about this, it's like, okay, we're, we're waiting until this thing fucking gets big. You know what I mean? That's not, I mean, I'm sure you can turn up, turn a profit short term. Don't get me wrong. You know, but I think if you're, if you have that delayed gratification and you're willing to make the investment and sit on it and wait, 
I think you're going to do way better in the long term. I mean, if, even if you consider just looking at what happened since Bitcoin's been around. Yeah. You know what I mean, if you would have fucking bought it and then sold it within the first year, you would have made some money, but you wouldn't have made nearly as much if you had waited three to five years. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so um, <clears throat> that's a, that's a big, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of young men that train under me. And at first I thought, Hey, you know, I'm just going to teach people jujitsu, but you, you slowly find out that as a jujitsu instructor, you kind of also become a life coach a little bit. And I just have a lot of students who's like, Hey, how come you didn't do this? Oh, I was, I was partying. Oh, why didn't you do this? Oh, I was out trying to pick up chicks. And I'm like, you're living. If you live your entire life, just chasing pleasure, you will be unhappy. You know, you have to have some self sense of discipline. Guys, chase, let, let, let me be clear, though. Chase pleasure. Go try to pick up the fucking chicks, but then just show up at 6 a.m. for fucking training the next morning anyway and just be fucking tired. You're in your 20s, you fucking pussy. Dude, you know how often I just on zero sleep just rolled up to fucking Henzo Gracie Academy bright and early in the morning for fucking 8 a.m. class, which means that I had to wake up at fucking 5.30 in the morning to drive in like two hours of traffic to get there. There was tons of time where I stayed up all night trying to chase pussy and fucking showed up at training the next morning because that's what you fucking do. Just get it, taking on a life of fucking martial arts uh, and, and, and wanting to be successful at it doesn't mean you have to be like a pussy. It doesn't mean that you have to never fucking get laid. It doesn't mean that you have to never have – you know, have a good time with your friends or whatever, never go out drinking any of these things. It just means that you have to fucking show up when you're supposed to show up to fucking train and get better and do your thing. And yet, is it, are you going to suffer a little bit if you went out drinking the day beforehand? Fuck yeah, you are. And that's going to tell you, oh, well, you know what? I can't do this every day. Maybe I can do it once a week. Maybe max I can do it twice a week, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. All right, no problem. And now you're living a life of discipline. It doesn't mean you have to live like a monk. I think you take things too far if you're trying to live like a monk personally. You yeah. know? Like, look at John Jones. He was a champion. <laughs> yeah, perfect balance. Perfect, <laughs> perfect balance. <laughs> yeah, and he was, a, he was a psychotic asshole. Oh, my God. What a <laughs> fucking lunatic, dude. I do not recall. I do not recall slamming my wife's head against the wall. Oh my god! Before I went out to the strip club, <laughs> dude, what a crazy person! Yeah, you know i I noticed um I noticed a trend with a lot of fighters is that there are a lot of they're also very crazy in other aspects of life, especially sure. a lot of them are very hypersexual, and I have a theory on this. I okay. feel like. When someone is working so hard every day, um, you know, pushing themselves that um, one of the ways that they make up for it is to take the, the fun part to the next level. What do you think about that? So repeat that last sentence that you said. So like pretty much the fact that people, the high level fighters, a lot of them uh -huh. are working so hard all the time. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the guys at the top, to make up for all that hard work, they're also fucking insane, and that they really play really hard as well. 
You feel like that's uh... yeah. It, it, it could it could be the case. It's, it's similar. So you gotta. You, I would say you gotta imagine that very similar to a person with a binge eating disorder, yeah. right? So sometimes uh, people have an eating disorder where they actually are skinny, right? Um, they don't eat most of the time, and then all of a sudden they just fucking eat a crazy amount of food and then fucking throw up afterwards. You know what I mean? It's like this person doesn't know how to have the self-control to like eat a moderate amount of food that's going to allow them to stay in shape mm-hmm. and just keep eating that moderate amount of food. They either have to go all or nothing. Like they either have to eat three chocolate cakes or they got to only eat celery every day. They don't know. How, you understand what I'm saying? Like they don't know how to do like they don't know how to find a middle ground. And I think that that I don't know if that's necessarily only in fighters or only in martial artists or whatever the case may be. I just think that's a, uh, I just think that's a people thing. I think that's just like some people are like that and other people aren't, whether it's upbringing or whatever the case may be. But the fact that we're in martial arts uh, in general, I think you, you see a lot more, a lot more craziness just by the nature of what we're doing. So if we're talking about high level professionals in almost any field, but specifically in something like fighting, you definitely have to be a little bit more – you're a little bit more likely to be imbalanced, yeah. I would say, mentally. Because, I mean, think about what it entails. It's like not only are you chasing a very, very small percentage chance of success at what you do. You know, because like there are certain career paths that you could follow and you might want to be the best. But if you're not and like you're, you're kind of mediocre or even shitty at what you do, you might make an okay amount of money and you might still make a living, yeah. right? But like if you're going to be a fighter and you're not particularly good at it and you don't become the best, you kind of don't make a living. Like you, you're not going to be okay. Like you're going to have to go do something else. Like you're going to have to fucking work another job, whatever the case may be, right? So number one, your, your, your safety is not guaranteed even from a, from a standpoint of like financial security. Your safety is not guaranteed in terms of physical safety. Um, when it comes to getting into a cage or, you know, getting your leg broken in competition and grappling or something like that. Right. So there's a lot of risks that you're taking here. And, you know, sometimes they're not, it's not calculated. It's sometimes it's, it's for the thrill. I mean, you know, I've heard guys, I'm not going to name them talk about how, like, you know, if they don't, if they're not dating crazy picks, like they're not, they don't want to date the chick anymore. It's like, Oh, you know, this chick's like relatively under control and like, she has a nice warm meal ready for me when I get home and like, she's going to do my laundry and like be nice. And, and like, when we go out, she's not going to throw a fit and fucking flip out at me and scream and spit in my face. Like, Oh, I, well, I can't like, I, I don't want to hang out with this chick because she's too calm. Like she's too, everything's, everything's going great. There are some people that just chase chaos and they need that chaos to thrive. Um, is it more common in martial arts? Maybe. I don't think it's a given though. I don't think that's everybody. You know, I think you want a little bit of chaos if you're in in this world, but I think it's you're capable of being balanced on some level. You know? Yeah. Um, I was doing this subconsciously for a while. I didn't realize it because I kept ending up with women who were insane and stabbing me. And, uh, <laughs> and when he says that, he means literally. He's <laughs> he, he's not joking. He means literally <laughs> stabbing. Yeah. And then I remember the. Um, one of my uh, one of my friends sent me this paragraph from like I think it was like Alcoholics Anonymous or something or yep. Al Anon, and they said uh, people who had traumatic childhood childhoods they don't realize it, 
but even if it's bad, the chaos that they that they get that they feel in a relationship reminds them of their childhood, so they subconsciously keep going back to it. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you an example of this that, and it's very small, and it might blow your mind. It might not, but it might blow somebody else's mind that's listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a perfect example of this. So babies, they're super temperamental, right? You know, like now some of them are, some of them aren't, but for the most part, it's like, you never know when this fucking thing is going to cry. Like it's going to cry for no fucking reason. Right. So, you know, when it comes to putting a baby to sleep, it's like a delicate process for most people. Like, it's like, Oh shit, we can't make any fucking noise. We're going to put the lullaby on fucking do the thing. And like, you know, we got to make sure like the environment is perfect or this baby's not going to fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Okay. I used to know uh, – this wasn't a close personal friend, but it's just somebody that I, I, I used to know. I used to uh, – I did a ton of different sports, and one of them that- – I'm white. I have to remind people sometimes I'm very white. So for some period of my life, I was in a bowling league for two years. Okay? Oh, my God. I know. I know. You never heard about this, did you? Uh, no, no. So- I, I remember we went bowling once, uh, you, me, and a girl. And then you were really good, and I and I told you you there was no way you were cool in high school. You were definitely a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what the funny part is? I didn't make it on the bowling team in high school. I actually tried out. I, I like I was like thirteenth out of like twelve <laughs> that was taken. I swear to God, I didn't make it. I fucking didn't make it on the bowling team. So I fucking sucked that. Much. I was that much of a loser. So I couldn't even make it with the nerds. So. Um, <laughs> so so this woman that used to come to the bowling league or whatever she would have her baby and the baby would fucking uh the baby would be there in the bowling alley all the time uh i guess she would her or her husband were super into bowling or whatever the baby would would sleep the most at the bowling alley while fucking people are screaming yelling pins are knocking all these sorts of things because that's where it felt the most comfortable right that was the only place the baby felt at peace because that's where it was all the time. Spent all of its time in the bowling alley. There's a movie called Shoot 'Em Up. It's like a disaster of a oh, movie. Oh, we like, watched. We watched that together. Oh, fu- fucking hilarious. And a uh, similar thing in that movie. Like the baby from that movie. Like, and obviously it's a movie, so it's not real. My example was real, but the baby from that movie, like, I think, grew up like next to like a heavy metal club or something like that. So throughout the movie, like the only time the baby like stops crying is when like heavy metal is playing or whatever the case. Sounds is. like my type of baby. Yeah. so yeah i think that's a perfect example man of uh of like a subconscious thing where like you know if chaos is your fucking is your environment then like you're you're searching for chaos to feel comfortable right that's what's normal to you yeah and and a lot of people don't even know it that's the scary part i didn't know it for a while sure i'm just like why do i keep ending up with like the same shit and i'm like oh man yeah i'm subconsciously attracted to the chaos Sure. And we laugh about it and stuff, but you know, I think, and, and it's nothing wrong with that, but I definitely think it's worth it for everybody, you know, however they do it, whether it be getting a counselor, whether it be, you know, get reading some self-help stuff, whether, you know, everybody does it a little bit differently, exploring some meditation or whatever, and just kind of thinking about, you know, yourself, your life, and then the things that emotional connections that you have with these different people, it's worth exploring these things. Cause just like you said, it's like, you don't even realize that about yourself, that you're, you're making a subconscious decision to involve yourself with certain people in a certain way. And it might not be something that you feel is optimal for you. And once you find out like, oh shit, the reason that I'm doing this is this, 
it's a little easier for you to step in and be like, oh, well, let's try to curtail this. Let's, let's try to like change this because this doesn't seem like the best thing for me. You know what I mean? But yeah. until you do that work, until you, until you look within yourself and realize that, it's hard to make that choice. Like you're just going to keep going to what, what you know and what you're comfortable with. Yeah, it's like I'll go out on a date and I'll ask, like, oh, yeah, so, you know, what do you what do you like to do for fun? They're like, oh, I read. I like Netflix. And I'm, like, fucking literally falling asleep. And then my last ex, I'm like, so what are your plans? She's like, yeah, I'm going to just pack my bag into the back of my truck and I'm going to live out the back of my car for a while. And, uh, <laughs> and I... <laughs> And yeah. I, I didn't realize it, but I was so turned on because I'm like, this chick is crazy. I didn't realize, but I'm like, oh, this chick is fearless. She's crazy. She's so cool. <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's freaking insane, man. It really is. Hey, man, I got like uh, a few more minutes. So is there any last minute stuff you want to ask me? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not not saying uh, not saying it has anything to do with me, but let's top this uh Let's end this podcast with like, what are qualities you look for in a student when you re- they're a purple belt and you realize they're ready for their brown belt? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, belting is so – are you serious or you just wanted to make that joke? I'm serious. Okay. Man, belting is such a tricky thing. It's such an individual process with everybody. You know, it's not like – you know, it's fortunate that it's this way, but like you don't know, got other martial arts where it's like, if you memorize this kata – you get oh, to the next God. fucking belt and it's like, it's like really like that's the way that we're going to do this. You know, like I don't really think there's a cookie cutter way to determine whether a, a, a particular person is ready for a particular belt. There might be a few things that I might look for at certain belts or whatever, but especially as it starts getting farther and farther up the chain. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe some instructors feel like there's critical components that they're looking for. But for me, I think it's it's very individual. Um, but man, I I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is specifically that I look for in a brown belt. You know, it's more about for me like looking at a person and seeing that they've made. I want I want to kind of look at you every time I give you a belt, and be like I'm kind of looking at a little bit of a different person. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just mean like I don't mean that in like just an a. Uh, I don't mean that in just like the existential way. Like uh, again, like not, we're not talking like Zen monk jujitsu bullshit where you, Oh, you know, if you do jujitsu, you're going to be a better person. Guys, there's tons of scumbag pieces of shit in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Don't believe anything you say about that. It can help you become a better person. If you have good, you know, good mentors and guidance and like, you're actually trying to become a better person, but it does it's not a guarantee. Mm. Um, so I don't mean it that way when I'm saying like, I look at you and I think you're a different person. I mean it more in the sense of, of your jujitsu. Like I look at you and your training and, and what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, this is remarkably different than what I saw when I gave this person their purple belt. You know what I mean? Um, this is, this is a level up from what I experienced previously. That's the best answer I could give. you. Yeah. And about the whole Zen monk thing, man, I will say that, um, after every tournament, especially the really hard ones, it's really it's much more about much more than jujitsu. I I definitely feel like I change as a as a person because I'm like I cannot believe I just fucking did that. 
and I definitely learned a lot from it. Just not not just jujitsu, but everything. Sure, man. Yeah, and I, but I also think you are a person consciously trying to become a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is trying to do that. Whether they realize it or not, not everybody is trying to do that. Some yeah. people have much more devious reasons for doing the things that they do. <laughs> you know, like, hey, listen, I could donate, you know, Bill Gates could donate a million dollars to a charity, right? And it might be because he really supports that cause, but yeah. it also might be for a tax write off. It also might be because he wants it to look good for a particular political yeah. arrangement or whatever. He still did a good thing though, right? He did still do a good thing, but I'm just saying like your, your motivation behind what you're doing, it matters a little bit as far as like what's going to come out on the other end, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that was, that I mean, was, I definitely, um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I see a lot of, I didn't know buying belts was a thing, but I really, I've seen it happen. It's really sad. Yeah. And, um, you know, the only, the, and it also depends who you get it from. You know, I see a lot of people like their instructors don't like them. So they just go to another school and get it from someone else. And I'm like, fuck, how do you live? How do you fucking live with yourself, man? You know, it's just, um, I mean, I've been, that's why I'm, that's why I treat you so poorly. I'm just <laughs> hoping I'm just hoping that one day you're just going to leave me and try and go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have no friends. You're my only friend, but I mean, you know, that's just a fact. I, could just, I should just. Be <laughs> friends, man. I'm your only friend. <laughs> oh, man. That's fucking. All right, crazy. man. It's been a great time. Uh, I'm super excited to, to hear the confusion that. <laughs> that people have from listening to the first 15 to 20 minutes of this which literally exclusively about pornography <laughs> it, it just branches into a serious conversation about <laughs> um, did Chang anyway. call you yeah yeah i gotta go buddy okay i'll talk to you soon all right talk to you later thank Bye-bye. you yep, thank you well there you have it guys hope you guys liked the episode hope you guys learned a lot definitely a lot of fun talking to my homie if you guys want any more guys on the podcast any superstars anyone you let me know and i will have them on thank you so much for your support i'm about to hit ten thousand views i'm thinking of bringing someone special on for the ten thousandth one that was amazing guys um thank you so much before you leave at k-o-o-l-r-a-k is my instagram at immortals jujitsu at Rambling with Rack, <clears throat> make sure to check out my website, immortalsjujitsu.com.